Mr. King dies, I'm the gamest in the land. I never play nice, I'm the devil's right hand man. Welcome to So Many Bits. I'm your host, Bill Nielsen, and joining me from my palatial one-bedroom apartment in Chicago is Di Billick. Di, how are you? I'm great. I came all the way over here uh, from the far reaches of downtown. From the far reaches of downtown Chicago. From the far reaches. It's Di Billick. Di, how are you? I snuck into your building uh, behind a guy who had bags, and he, he... unlocked his thing and I was standing there waiting for you to buzz me in and I went thanks and he just looked back at me and gave me a contemptuous look and it was pretty funny <laughs> and I did not apologize because I was like Meh. that's okay I sneak in sometimes myself I mean I have a key and usually I can just get in but I choose not to I don't feel any shame about that no and shame. neither should you no shame none as a quick reminder so many bits is brought to you in part by the second wind collective for more quality podcasts like this one, please visit secondwindcollective.com for details. Now, Di, what have you been playing? Oh, you know what? We're going to do something new today. Okay. You're going to guess what I'm playing, and I'll tell you if you're right. Now, I want you to keep in mind everything that's been released lately. Okay. Lately. Lately. And that's not a clue. <laughs> I'm just saying it weird. <laughs> all, all right. Okay. Okay. Uh, what have I been playing? Gosh, uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2. No. <laughs> uh, Assassin's Creed Origins. No. Oh, I cannot stand Assassin's Creed games. I have no patience. All right, uh, how about, uh, tell me what system you are playing the game on, please. No. No? <laughs> Come on, like, Darn, you, can go, you can go into diabolic stuff. Well, uh, all right. Um, well, there's no Final Fantasy games out lately. I mean, nine was very recently re-released for PS4. In case you guys were wondering, but no, you're right. No Dragon Age games. Correct. Uh, 3DS games. Okay. Uh, I can't really think of. There's a new Metroid: Samus Returns. You know, I was very close to purchasing that, but I have not done so yet. All right, you're failing, so I'm just gonna save <laughs> okay. you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, aside from Cuphead, which you know about. Uh, I have been playing Animal Crossing Pocket Camp. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, you know, that would have been a good guess. <laughs> I know, thought you would get it right away. I was cynical at first because I was like, why would I do that? I already have New Leaf on my 3DS. I play it all the time whenever I'm depressed, which is all the time. Or when I'm like feeling anxiety, which is some of the time. But... I was like, eh, Animal Crossing on my phone, do I want to start over? I, I have a town on my 3DS for over a year. Are they going to micro-charge me? How many times are they going to charge me? Is it going to be ridiculous? Now, the game was free, so the micro-charging, like, is that what it's called? Micro-charges? Like that, or microtransactions? Microtrans, microtranses. Uh, not a lot. There's not a lot of those. They're not required. So that made me pretty happy. Uh, that's what I've been playing lately. Like what kinds of transactions or microtransactions can you make? You can buy coupons or tickets, I think they're called. There's a new Animal Crossing lingo that I'm not into. They're either tickets or coupons. And they like speed up the 
the building of Cyrus's furniture because you have to have him build it now because you're at a campsite. Uh, you can buy nets and upgrades to things. Usually you would buy like furniture and clothes and stuff with bells though. The tickets kind of speed things up. I don't really use the tickets. I kind of still do the traditional Animal Crossing will never ever buy anything like I'm, I, and I get tickets for logging in. Like I don't really think you ever need to buy anything. About how long have you been playing? Um, mm, how long have I been playing? A couple hours, three hours. But it's a mobile game, so it's it's designed to be more of a just a smaller Animal Crossing. In that, it's designed. The game is designed for shorter duration of play. Okay. So when you are in. When you are going onto a train, going to work, uh-huh. or something, uh-huh. in when you are in transit, it so it's like seems a mobile game? it seems like it's designed for being in transit. Yeah, but other mobile games don't really seem like that. Like I have Final Fantasy IX on my mobile device, and I'm like, oh shit, I have to find a, a Moogle, <laughs> otherwise I'm <laughs> screwed. And, I mean, it's exactly like Final Fantasy IX's remastered, you know. Looks better. Looks amazing, by the way. I've also been playing that. But we're not talking about that right now. In Animal Crossing, the in the camp, you're just, like, you're setting up your campsite. So it feels like... So you're losing, you're losing the whole town, but at the same time, it's the ease of use is better because it, you have a map that you pull up and you go somewhere to fish... You go somewhere to pick fruit. You can invite friends to your campsite. It's just, it's a, yeah, it's a mobile version, but it, it's not really lost its charm, I guess. The only thing that I would have liked is to take a character from an already existing Nintendo account and then just, you know, load it into my campsite, but that didn't happen. Mm. And that's fine. It's a free game. Uh, what else? Do you have any other questions about it? Because I am happy to answer. Uh, do you have a favorite Animal Crossing pal? Yes, I do. Okay. Um, do I have to guess this one? Or no, will you just tell no, me? there are so many Animal Crossing pals. Oh, like there are, there are so many video games. <laughs> that were just released, though? Well, the way you said that made it sound like just... maybe you were thinking about an older game, too. It no. kind of opened. Yeah, yeah. Listen, <laughs> no, <laughs> just really, I thought I said just release. All right, here we go. Uh, favorite Animal Crossing, pal, Marshall. Marshall. I'm obsessed with Marshall. Marshall's the cute white squirrel, and he's cynical, so he's always, like, frowning. He's always got his eyebrows down, and he's saying stuff uh, that's just adorable, and he likes to read books, and I'm like, I would love you forever. If you were my white squirrel. Marshall is my middle name. Really? Yes. William Marshall Nielsen. Yes. It's a good name. Named after my grandfather, Bill Marshall. Bill Marshall. Interesting. Your name is William, right? Yes. Okay. My given name is William. Great. Wonderful. Do you want to guess my middle name? I won't give you any clues at all. Uh, I think you might have even told me once. Ferdinand. <laughs> no, but good guess. 
It's uh, Diana Rasputin Billick. Oh, I would never have gotten that. <laughs> it's because it's a lie. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> well, that's going to make it harder then. This was in my show. My mother's name is Linda Diane, and she named me Diana Lynn. Why the hell would she do that? Because she wanted a little ditty about... Well, that doesn't Her work because it's Linda Diane. Diana Lynn. Linda Diddy. About Diana Lynn. Terrible. Anyway, so the thing about the Animal Crossing Pocket Camp is, and why I wanted to talk about it mostly, is I have two friends who are playing it. One is obsessed with Animal Crossing, New Leaf, and the original Animal Crossing, and we are friends on there, and that's cool, and that's good, and he seems to enjoy it. The other person, who's my stepdaughter, uh, who is 20 years old, in case you guys are wondering, I'm uh, 76 years old. That is another lie. <laughs> Unless you actually are Rasputin, and then maybe there's like some connection there between... Perhaps. Yeah. I know Rasputin was born on my birthday. That is the only connection. I see. Anyway, also I'm a, I'm a cruel dictator. <laughs> also a lie. Uh, okay. Uh, my stepdaughter is playing... Pocket Camp, and she's never played regular Animal Crossing. And she loves it. She plays it every night. That's so, awesome. Right, and she's never played Animal Crossing before. So, But then I screenshotted her my gamer uh, ID, and she hasn't friended me yet. So, Oh, boy. What's up, bitch? Oh, okay. This is the call-out podcast she doesn't, now. She doesn't have any other friends on Animal Crossing. So, whatever. Anyway, both of them seem to equally enjoy it. I was cynical at first so my friend who loves Animal Crossing and I was like oh this seems kind of dumb and why would I download this when I have regular Animal Crossing to play and he's like because Animal Crossing everywhere and I'm like you're totally <laughs> totally right you're, you're right and I kind of enjoy it I would rather play Final Fantasy 9 on my mobile device those are the two games that I have on my mobile device right now they take up a lot of room like do you have the 16 gig model of phone or like how many uh, gigs you got I have an S8 I do not know how many gigs I have. Okay. But I have a lot of storage. All right. I, I mean, I only have uh, 16 on here, and so that makes it pretty tough to... But you have a little iPhone, and I don't know. You can still There's still a 64-gig model. That, that would make things a lot easier. Right. I think... Uh, I don't know. I paid a lot of money for this thing. It was way more expensive than the iPhone, so I assume that there's a lot of room on here, and it hasn't said anything to me. <laughs> so there we go. That's good. That's good. When your phone is not talking it's to not you, talking, that it's is not a good saying, sign. It's not telling me to stop downloading things. So we're good. good. Yeah, we're good. That's all. That's what I've been playing. That's what you've been playing. And Cuphead. And Cuphead. Okay. <laughs> Final Fantasy Nine again. Huh. And the fractured butthole still playing it. And that's uh and that's that's me. How far are you in Cuphead? She's mm, not far because I've been playing it with friends. Uh, friends who don't really do platformers. My friend Joseph, who you know, uh, he and I, he's pretty good. Uh, we kind of teamed up. I found out that it, I mean, it's harder with two players. Uh, playing with my friends who aren't platform people normally, uh, they made it way harder, and I kind of had to carry us, and <laughs> I got way farther on myself by myself. Um, how far did I get? I'm still on the first... I'm still on Inkwell Isle, so uh, still on Inkwell Isle. Well, somebody in this podcast, <laughs> of the two of us, has finished Cuphead. It was, it was, I was impressed. You did a great job. Thank you, thank you. 
Thank uh, you for your support during you, that trying time. You're welcome. I was like, I think that he wants me to say a bunch of things. Also, I'm sitting here yelling and he can't hear me. This is so <laughs> frustrating. Uh, yeah, I, so Bill, Bill live streamed beating Cuphead on Twitch. And I said too many things in... <laughs> in the chat room but i was like i was in my bed i felt like i was hanging out with you oh i know i was like yay this is great and you were talking through it and i was like how the hell is he playing cuphead and talking at the same time and still managing to be entertaining i'm sitting in my bed like up late screaming <laughs> when you die because i'm like oh so close <laughs> and i wanted to say it so bad so i was like all caps Ugh so close <laughs> and i was like this is kind of like hanging out but not at all this is frustrating it's so cool oh my god you have to do more streams <laughs> well i will keep streaming for sure please do i've subscribed to so many bits my name is plaid taco do you do you stream as well so we can follow you and watch your twitch broadcast i do not okay well you could through your <laughs> xbox i believe if you were interested I am interested, and I'll probably do so. But, you know, I need a mic. I might do a setup. We'll see. We're going to see. I would love to come over here and do a Twitch stream. Okay. Well, we can make gonna, that happen in the future. We're going to pick a game. Yeah. We're going to pick a game and go with it. All right. And that's what I've been playing. What have you been playing? Well, uh, you know, I've been playing Cuphead. I, I finished that. Say it again. I've played Cuphead and I finished uh, it. Yeah, guys, did you know that Bill beat Cuphead? Holy cow. I tried to brag here, but... <laughs> I mean, bragging, sure, sure. But I believe your final score was a C-. minus. I did get a C- minus when <laughs> defeating the devil. That's true. I wonder why. Uh, I didn't parry at all, I think. Like, That's it, why. It's grading you on that a lot. And, and that uh, parry is that pink thing. Like The only parry opportunity that I saw was the pink thing in the middle of the big blue, as far as the, as the first one goes anyway. Uh, and the other parries just seemed so impossible with those falling chips in the sec- when his second form. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. It, it was... I, I had enough trouble staying alive there. And, like, yes. after the Dice King, uh, it was... Uh, so, I mean, I won't get too much into it, but the the last boss of the game, the devil, is very challenging, and there's a lot of different uh, patterns to recognize if you end up getting that far, which I encourage you to do. I think Cuphead is a really good game. If you ever have been like, they don't make games like they used to, they don't make them hard like they did when I played Mega Man or Contra or etc., mm-hmm. then Cuphead is the game for you. This game is as hard as an mf <laughs> And it will challenge you a lot, and you will see, like, as you go, your familiarity with the patterns grow and grow, and how you get better at fighting the bosses over time. Yep. Uh, I have a question. Yeah. I mean, the artwork was obviously beautiful. The background is, like, there were watercolor paintings, and just everything was gorgeous. And it was almost like it's such an intense game that sometimes you miss the artwork and the music. Everything about it, amazing. They took... All the things we loved about old platformers, and they modernized it to where they made it challenging. All the music, like people who loved old games, like they're just all about soundtracks. <laughs> Those eight bit and sixteen bit soundtracks. Uh, everything about the game was, to me, amazing. And I personally, being only <laughs> still on Inkwell Isle, would I mean I'm pretty satisfied. I can't rate it because I haven't finished it, but I would give it an 8 out of 10. 
slash nine out of ten. What would you rate it having completed it? Uh, I would give it a nine out of ten. Yeah. How I, come? I, how come? Um, well, I think the the graphics are fantastic. The soundtrack mm-hmm. is excellent. I think the uh, the game is not one hundred percent perfect. In uh, sometimes it's a little tricky knowing like what exactly is happening which i think is a deliberate choice on their part like there are definitely some levels where it's like you're not the view is obscured you're not meant to see everything that's happening at once but that's still not very fun that's not a a great way if you're trying to make a punishing game to make that operate Mm -hmm. and like even in that last level there were times where it's like it feels like i shouldn't be getting hit here what is hitting me like when you were on the side yeah. yeah Yeah, like there, there's one, there was one spot in the devil when I was playing where it's just like, I, I don't know what is happening. And eventually I just had to like change the way I approach that part of the stage in order to avoid it because right. I couldn't figure out any, any other issue. Right. Uh, so aside from that, would you, what else, would you improve anything else? Uh, I think they were not, there was nothing wrong with the platform levels, mm-hmm. but they weren't necessary. You, you don't need them. I agree. Like, I think it would have been cool if they did the boss rush and yeah. then you could just, you could choose your different weapons. You don't have like that store you go to with the coins you get from the platforming levels. Right. See, I'm, I think you're right. Obviously, matter of opinion. I would have loved and enjoyed a little bit less of a challenging beginning at least so that i can grow accustomed to the mechanics which i think are amazing i mean you obviously have to get used to the parry but once you get used to the parry it's great and i don't i don't know i don't put on auto parry but that's i mean it's i love all the boss rushes but i would have loved to see some easy just easier levels and i'm not talking about like when you first start and you have to parry off the ghosts like that's ridiculous that's way too easy. I'm talking like somewhere in between. It's like you can parry off those ghosts and it was, you know, pretty easy. And the first couple bosses were pretty easy. But I would have liked to have some separation and like, okay, there's, mm-hmm. I can tell that this is growing in difficulty, you know? I it, you, you know, you, I think you have a good point. I, I think like more of a, a runway to explain like some of the mechanics there and like the, some of the types of patterns you might see mm-hmm. because I think when I was playing with other people uh, there are things there are moments that are like bullet hell moments where there are like 30 bullets on screen and like when you are first approaching that it seems completely overwhelming and like there is a trick to that if you've played games like that if you've played shooters where it's like okay I just know I need to focus on a little space around my guy and make sure he maneuvers through that. Right. And not worry about the other 25 things happening on screen. Right. And, like, something that, like, takes you through that and explains, like, how that works or, like, some kinds of patterns you might see from the boss probably would have been better for helping people enjoy this game and get engaged with this game early where it just kind of gives you no quarter. Exactly. Right, right from the start, it's like... Right, and playing with people who don't really know platformers and like have only played like basketball games or like you know uh, shooters, it's not they they got very frustrated mm. very quickly. Whereas you know other friends who've played platformers a lot, they see it as a challenge and they're like, oh my god, this is so great! I'm dying like every two seconds. Like, can't wait to learn the pattern of this. And it's like, they, yeah, that's. That's what you're used to, but um, yeah, I loved it though. Good stuff. 
I mean, it assumes a familiarity with a type of game that does still exist, but is definitely not nearly as popular as it was when we were kids. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Uh, Sunny Cuphead. And then also, I actually got time to play through the entirety of Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus. Oh, wow. How long? That game is not very long, and I played it on a pretty low difficulty setting. Mm -hmm. So I would say it took me like 10, 12 hours to get through the whole story. Wow. Now, there is more content to the game that I did not explore, but that's like the main arc of events is that 10 to 12 hours. And that game is absolutely insane. Uh, just uh, So it follows up on a previous game called Wolfenstein The New Order. And it actually has some ties to another game just called Wolfenstein that came out like 10 years ago yeah, or whatever. I remember regular Wolfenstein. And it's kind of continuing this alternate sci-fi-ish history of what if the Nazis won World War II. Right. And as you may imagine, in the current... Uh, political and social climate, it does have things to say that are very relevant to current conversations in the real world. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Interesting. Uh, I, I would uh, not want to spoil some of the bigger moments from the game. There are some absolutely loony uh, cutscenes, and I think that one thing, a couple things I'll say are, first off, I, I do think they are very on point with their political commentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the best evidence I can give for that is the number of one-star reviews that the game has on Amazon from uh, alt-rightists and Nazis who feel the game is propaganda, a liberal propaganda. Oh, wow. Wow. Because, now I want you to spoil it for me. Well, I'll spoil it in general ways, in that you are never given an opportunity to sympathize with a Nazi. Okay. There is, like, I think one letter where someone's like, oh, I kind of feel misgivings about what I'm doing. But every other time you talk to a Nazi or engage with, like, or you overhear a conversation between guards, it's like, wow, these people are the worst monsters on the earth. <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's great. And, and it, like, it, it, go, it shows very clearly how people, like, especially white people, can be complacent and go along with yep. something that supports them and does not affect them, and kind of let the rest of the world learn. Yep. And it shows how that happens in Nazi Germany and in America. Wow. Yep. Fantastic. How's the, the actual gameplay? Ooh, <laughs> not actually that good. All right. <laughs> actually. How, how come? The, uh, the com- it's, it's a shooter, right? It is a shooter, yeah. yeah. Uh, so the combat, uh, you know, there are a few different styles of shooters out there. There's, like, the cover-based shooter. Mm-hmm. That's, like, Gears of War and Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. There's, like, more run-and-gun. Uh, if you played the, the Doom game that came out last year, I think that, that's what, a great example of that. Right. But Wolfenstein doesn't really do either of those well. It seems like it tries to play at both, and it also tries to play at some, like, stealth gameplay. Uh-huh. But none of those really work. Like, you too often are getting spotted by a guard you can't see or are unable to like track where they are mm-hmm. or you're getting shot by someone you can't see and there's no real there's a very little vis- visual indication in mm-hmm. the game of when you're being shot it's like there's a little splotch on the sides of the screen well that's Nazi America oh, yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes it's very unforgiving in Nazi America and uh, I had to play there are like six different difficulties and the second from the bottom is the one they recommend for like seasoned gamers, and that that was accurate. Really? I think. 
Holy cow. Yeah. Unforgiving. Very. Interesting. And then for the final encounter, I had to bump it all the way down to the easiest difficulty because I just I could not deal with it. Well, um, ugh, I really want to know who you had to fight for the final boss. The final bo- boss is actually a little bit of a letdown. I did not realize. Like, I was just looking up what I thought was a difficult encounter. And then I realized, oh, this is the last fight in the game. Oh, really? So it was a little bit of a letdown yeah. that, that that was the... Anticlimactic? Yeah. Story-wise? Like, more happens afterward that kind of picks it back up again. Gotcha. But as, like, the last thing you, like, achieve as a player, Mm -hmm. it was kind of a letdown. Gotcha. That makes sense. Uh, So I think the commentary was on point. But also I'll point out, like, the I think the writing and the direction of the game was also excellent. Okay. Like, it's all very sharp dialogue, sometimes grim, and sometimes, like, darkly humorous. Okay. Uh... And, like, a lot of games play, I think, of, like, the idea, what if we made a movie here? But they really do a good job of it with, like, these very uh, nice, like, cuts between scenes and, like, different camera angles to show off, like, the different characters and stuff. I I, I thought they, uh, I'm not, like, a cinematographer or anything, but I thought they did a great job with that. Great. So I would recommend that you play Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus. I don't think it's worth a full retail purchase and it seems like pretty much everywhere it's already discounted to like 30 bucks Mm. like i saw tweets this weekend it was like 30 bucks at gamestop and it's available for ps4 xbox one and pc Mm -hmm. i would yeah i would really recommend you give it a look it's it's mind-blowing at times (laughs) (laughs) mind-blowing because of the story not because the gameplay yeah the, the gameplay is less than complete okay but it like that was kind of the thing with Nier, too. Like, I, I loved Nier, but the gameplay wasn't great in that. Right. I would say it was better by comparison than Wolfenstein's gameplay, but neither was great. Right. But you really enjoyed it. Yes. Okay, great. Wonderful. <laughs> Other than that, uh, still playing Mario Odyssey. Mm-hmm. I'm up to now, like, 500-something moons. Okay. What are moons? Moons are, like, the stars or the shines for this game. Perfect. Okay. You can collect up to 999 of them. Okay. I don't think I'm going to do that. Okay. Um, I haven't played it yet. You should, you should consider it. I should. I'm <laughs> going to consider it. I'm considering it. <laughs> I'm saving for a stream. There are like two secret levels mm-hmm. after the end of the game. So I'm waiting to do those until I can stream them. So look out for that pretty soon. Okay. Other than that, I have a couple others, but I'm going to have to save them, thank them for uh, future podcast episodes. Yes, thank those. Thank those. <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep something in reserve. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that's it, though. Those are the games I've been playing. Normally now, I would roll right into Bill's Magic Minute, but because I feel like the thing I want to talk about this week would require more than one minute, and I think re- deserves more than a minute. We're going to go into our Choose Your Fighter segment right away. And you're going to start. I am going to start. <laughs> As a reminder, though, Choose Your Fighter is where Di and I each bring one article, news event, or upcoming game to discuss, and we just talk about them until only one of us is left standing. Whatever that means. Yes, it usually means that there's a draw, that uh, you know, <laughs> we both said our things, and we are going to be, uh, you know, departing as friends. <laughs> Maybe. Well, yes. Yes, maybe. 
I uh, wanted to talk a bit about Magic the Gathering because recently there has been a big issue with uh, harassment in the community. I, I, I guess I should say, there, I'm sure there's always an issue with harassment in the gaming community. Uh, in particular, it has been brought to the, the more of the mainstream because of a recent uh, post by a Magic player slash cosplayer. Her name is Christine Sprankle, and she basically said that she's not going to do anything with Magic anymore because she's been the target of too much harassment uh, from male players in the past. And that really uh, sucks. It, it seems to be a centered around this controversial, this controversial uh, sexist YouTuber named Jeremy Hambly, uh, who has been noted as a toxic member of the community, and he has put out a lot of uh, a lot of <laughs> tweets or uh, YouTube videos about how uh, women are don't really belong in the community. Always, as these people do, always kind of like veiled in other types of discussions, like cosplay is not like a serious part of magic or that people are guys are like white knights for these female cosplayers you know never really drilling down on the thing they actually want which is that they hate women right and they want to talk about that but they can't they, they realize that that's just a bridge too far and they, they take one step back from that mm -hmm. and there's been a lot of uh, discussion in the community other women have spoken up to say how they have been harassed in the past, either by this person or by others. And I, I think a lot of men are now, only now, unfortunately, becoming aware of that, the inequality that exists in the game, which has been there since the dawn of, you know, Magic the Gathering, since the dawn of gaming, basically. Uh, and... I uh, I don't know exactly how to fix this, I, and I maybe I shouldn't even be the one who is trying to fix it. But I, I do have some ideas. What are they? Uh, so first off, uh, I do not believe you should engage these toxic members of the community in debate and try and engage them to bring them into the fold. I believe you you cut them out, you leave them out, you do not give them an opportunity because I. I from my previous experience observing this in other spheres and being really the main uh, pol political landscape, that encourages the uh, discussion and legitimacy of these points of view when you bring them in. And we're not like CNN, no one's CNN here, so we don't have to like adhere to this idea that we have to really look at all the ideas here. No, we, we, we can leave some of them off to the side and uh, hopefully we are, you know, reporting their, these YouTube videos and tweets that are going out. And then my, my second suggestion, which is not my own, uh, is to enhance and uh, promote the views of people that are different from us. Uh, and by us, I mean white men. Mm -hmm. And different, I mean anyone but white men. <laughs> okay. Uh, so with that in mind, I, I recommend uh, checking out Magic the Amateuring. Uh, it's a podcast by... Um, Maria Bartholdi and Megan Wolf, and I, I've listened to it quite a few times. It's a very fun uh, podcast where they talk about just like general magic news and their work in the reporting community because they do coverage of main uh, magic events. They, I believe, Maria actually had like a day job that she quit uh, that to take part in full time magic coverage. I do not know as much about Megan, but I'm, uh, I've read some of her work and it's also excellent. Mm. Uh, you can also support. Gabby Sparks, who, who is already kind of 
made in the sense that she's got like a lot of Twitch followers and YouTube subscribers. So uh, these are already people who are in somewhat of a position where they have a voice already. So uh, consider other voices as well who have fewer followers and subscribers. But Gabby is a Twitch streamer. She streams full-time Magic the Gathering and other games, but primarily Magic. Uh, she's very engaging. Uh, like I've seen her stream now several times where she's always conversing with people and going over her picks and her analysis of the games and keeping things light and fun, mm-hmm. uh, which is great to see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, so like I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sanguine when I uh, stream. I'm pretty, I try and keep it pretty chill, but she's more engaged and stuff like that. And so, yeah, if you know someone who you respect or you enjoy their product, make sure to retweet them, to follow them, to subscribe to them. Uh, whatever platform they're using, Twitch, Patreon, YouTube, uh, it does matter. It, it does matter for a lot of these people knowing that there are people out there who appreciate what they do. Because, unfortunately, whether you see it or not, they may not always know that they're being appreciated. Right. And I'll mention just one other thing and we can move on is uh, there was recently a response by professional players that was published to StarCityGames.com and I believe there was good intent and poor communication in the message they chose to put forth in which they said that they are united in a diverse environment for Magic players. But then they muddled it in a few different ways. Uh, First off, they mentioned, uh, I'm sorry, Miss Sprankle, as I did, uh, and I don't know that they wanted to do that because they also chose not to mention the person who is the harasser in this case. You could just have gone with hara- mention no one if you wanted to do that. So I, I think that was uh, maybe a misstep. And then they muddled the message by talking about how uh, there is cynicism and elitism within the community and that if you have a problem... You should talk to them, them being these pros who wrote this unified message, and they will take care of it. Which, first off, the issue is not about elitism mm-hmm. and citizenism within the Magic the Gathering community. It is about sexism. Right. It is about a lack of inclusion of women, mm-hmm. of people of color, mm-hmm. of LGBTQ plus people. Mm-hmm. And that is the issue at hand. To make it about cosplaying is to play into the hands of the harassers because then you are distancing yourself from the real issue and legitimizing their point of view. Mm -hmm. It's just the same as with Gamergate and the discussion of ethics in gaming journalism. That was never what it was about. Never. Mm -hmm. It is the same that happens right now in the mainstream political climate where it's the discussion of like black-on-black violence Mm -hmm. instead of like, you know, how black lives should matter. Right. And... Lastly, you should not go to a Magic the Gathering pro when you are having issues. You should go to a judge or a a tournament organizer or a staff member at the uh, store you're at. Because these people actually have training in how to resolve these kind of situations. Or they have an authority to enact some kind of discipline or some kind of safety. Mm -hmm. Uh, Magic Magic pros do not have that training. They do not have that authority. And in some cases... If I have looked at that list of Magic Pros accurately, are not always not the nicest people. <laughs> right. Not saying they're sexist or harassers necessarily, but that they're not the people I would first think of as like, yeah, they are the people that I 
would go to with an issue. Right. Having met and interacted with several of those pros myself, <laughs> which is my uh, bona fides in that. And and you're <laughs> saying that that's an issue of elitism, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and being cocky. And yes, uh, yes. <laughs> so I, I'm sorry, I talked a lot there. Uh, thank you for uh, staying with me on of that. Of course, of course. Uh, but that's just what I wanted to say about that. Uh, yeah, that's that was much longer than a minute. Uh, that was way longer than a minute, but that's okay. Um, I don't, man. I don't know if I don't know if I have. Uh, I don't know if I have anything to say about that, except that I've been harassed in the magic community. Not in a terrible, terrible way, but, um, I mean, I'm a woman, so it used to be a lot harder back when I played Magic more to even walk into the store and ask for Magic cards, and they're like, you know, oh, who's it for? Fuck you, it's for me, bro. Mm. (laughs) Uh, I don't think that's harassment, but, no, I've been harassed in the stores and stuff when there's tournaments going on and people are playing, like, Magic Fridays and all that stuff. My news article uh, came out today. Uh, There is a new Sony game called Detroit Become Human. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is taking pre-orders on Amazon. And uh, it has a scene in which an abusive father appears to beat his daughter to death. And it is, uh, it is being defended by the maker of the game uh, to be a beautiful game and that to just stick with it. And uh, you know, I, I guess have a, I have a lot to say about this. I'm not going to go over the specific details and how it happens, but um, as, as the, I mean, you have to make choices in that scene and. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like I'm going to take the unpopular opinion on this one and say don't censor stuff. As a, as a, a child who was abused physically, uh, that's probably not something that I would definitely want to play and like without preparing myself. I think that it should have the proper warnings for sure. But, I mean... Is, I think as long as it's noted on the box, just like everything else is, uh, I think it might be okay in context. I would have to play it in order to like fully form my opinion. Yeah, kids getting killed isn't really the greatest form of entertainment, but also there's a realism in the world in where me speaking as a domestic abusive survivor more than once, uh, like, I don't know, I kind of... I kind of like when that stuff is talked about. I kind of like when people who have nothing, have no experience with that are forced to think about the fact that this happens a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. Like, not all of us have parents who love us and care about us. Some of us have very dangerous parents who hurt us all the time. I mean, eh. (laughs) like, that's something that it's so stigmatized that people don't really think about it. So I'm coming from a place of, like, Man, don't pick up this game if you're going to be triggered by it, for sure. But also, like, man, like, I, like, I'm a disabled woman who came from a really bad home. And, uh, I don't know, I, I kind of, 
I'll bring it back to this. <laughs> um, the there was an episode of Full House when I was I, I think I watched it when I was like ten, so like fourth or fifth grade, and in it. Stephanie makes a friend with an obnoxious kid in her class, and it turns out that uh, the dad hits him all the time. And, uh, like, they treated it like this huge deal, and I remember watching it and not knowing that, like, you know, your mom's not supposed to beat the shit out of you and that everyone goes to bed uh, with food and they get their clothes washed and everything (laughs) is totally fine and it's not a living nightmare hell. Uh, (laughs) So... I remember, I remember watching the TV and going, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen, just rolling my eyes and just being so uncomfortable and saying, like, this is a fake family. Like, who the hell doesn't deal with, like, that? And that was my mindset as a child. I really, truly thought that my situation was totally normal. I thought that there was nothing wrong with it and that everyone went through it, and it's not something that I ever talked about because why would I? I had a couple friends whose mothers were also not okay. (laughs) And maybe it was like the Irish Catholic like, uh, situation. Uh, my parent, my, my, my family is not Irish, but that's like kind of where I went to school, to Irish Catholic school. And like with all of the, you know, extreme alcoholism, sorry to pigeonhole, but it's true. (laughs) In my situation, it was true with my friend's parents. Um, I mean, it's just not something that's in mainstream media. And I never saw it as a kid, and I still don't see it as an adult. Can quite frankly, you have a monster who's a father in this game, and I almost like a part of me feels relieved that there is, it's like being addressed as a real thing that parents are not always these perfect things that we make them out to be in media. And so I, again, I think that I probably have the unpopular opinion, and I definitely wouldn't want to see a child get killed or have an implication of a murder of a child. But I don't, first of all, A, I don't think they show it. And even if they do, that's not something that I'm reacting to in entertainment. It's something that it's just like watching a horror film where I'm like, oh, my brain says, hey, is this situation plausible? Is this something that happens in real life? Oh, it it totally is something that happens in real life. This is horrible. And I personally know that domestic abuse uh, from parents, survivors... I've talked to them about this, and they feel the same exact way, which is like, yeah, we're not, it's not like we're, gl- like, it's not like the game is glorifying it. It's not like it's, like, being used as this, like, snuff in entertainment, and it's, I mean, like, in which cases, like, quite frankly, even if some someone did that, I would still rather see it and hear it talked about and have it be this thing that isn't stigmatized because it's so real and it's so much more common than you think that it's just relieving to me. Like, oh, well, it's nice to know that other people understand that um, other children feared for their lives almost every single day. And, like, I don't know, that's the world that some people come from. So, unpopular opinion. I don't think that, I don't think that the game should be not released because and this, this scene is removed. There's an organization that's calling for the scene to be removed without, you know, Sony... Otherwise, they're saying that Sony shouldn't sell this game. And I just, just so vehemently disagree. I think that that's just kind of, that's, I mean, it's invalidating a lot of people's reality. I, mean, I would like to hear your opinion about this. <laughs> well, I, I, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that in Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus, 
a very early scene in the game is you as a young DJ Blazkowicz being abused by your father uh-huh. and choked into unconsciousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is definitely something that already exists in uh, games that came out this year. So I would hope that that I can't imagine this scene is getting cut from Detroit. I would hope not. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have uh, dealt with some, to some degree, with uh, some of the things you have mentioned, uh, mm-hmm. not to the same extent uh, from what it sounds like, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I feel like I, I, I want this to exist, but I want it to exist for a reason. I think some of the concern surrounding Detroit, and I, to be fair with Wolfenstein, I don't know the intense, the authorial intense behind it, mm-hmm. but uh, with Detroit, it's the director, David Cage, talking about how he felt like it had to be in the game that it had that it's important to telling his story that this child be abused which perhaps it is but as someone who is creative and creating a story you you don't have to do that is there a reason to do this is it to illustrate the tragedy of child abuse is it to glorify it? Is it to create a scene that causes shock, emotional shock, mm-hmm. with no uh, consideration of people who might be impacted by it? Mm-hmm. I, uh, I would imagine that is why Detroit is getting more negative press than Wolfenstein did. Okay. Mostly because the director of Wolfenstein is going off and giving like ambiguous half-statements about the game <laughs> they are trying to make. Right. Uh, but I, I don't think that uh, media should necessarily be censored. And I, and I think that if the game is appropriately rated, like if it's given an M rating to describe, describe mature situations, then yes, you should put it out. You should make it abundantly clear what kind of content is in there and that people should be aware that this happens. I have a question. Yes. Do you think that it's maybe a little more palatable to people because uh, in Wolfenstein... Uh, because it's a it's a male character, a boy character instead of a little girl character being murdered. Uh, yes, I. Because sexual I think abuse that, isn't yeah. implied, but yeah. obviously domestic violence against uh, domestic violence from parents doesn't really have a sex uh, determination. It's more of a well, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, you know, all bets are off. It doesn't matter if you're a female or a male. There's, you know. Uh, if you have a, a parent who's messed up and abusive, then you're probably going to get the brunt of it, unless you're the golden child or whatever. You know, we we're not going to get that much further into that. But, um, but I kind of think that that's bullshit because if there's the same amount of just violence and almost getting killed and or getting killed, uh, what's the difference if it's a 10-year-old boy or a 10-year-old girl? It's not a sex crime, first of all. Secondly, uh, maybe because in Wolfenstein he doesn't actually die. I think that could be it, too, because you see that BJ grows up to be a... I mean, in, in Wolfenstein he's hurting a lot. Right. But for the most part, he lived, he's lived a healthy life. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's still haunted by his uh, you know, dad's abuse. Right. But he has managed. He has coped. Right. So, but the thing is that when I read the dialogue in the scene uh, in Detroit, it's so realistic that it's mm. like, you know, the, the father is blaming the daughter for the mother leaving and all that stuff and then talking shit about the mother and saying terrible things about her. And it's almost like, you know, this, I mean, 
even that part, even that part is like, okay, well, if you grew up with a parent who verbally abused you or verbally abused another person in your family and then you had to shoot, like all of these things are, I just think are so important to not sweep under the rug. And it's like, it's almost like, it's, I, if he's saying in vague and ambiguous ways that it has to do with, I mean, that it's pertinent to the storyline and that it, it's necessary to show the full scope of the story, but he doesn't want to like give any spoilers. I kind of believe him. You know what I mean? I guess I just, I don't see, I see everyone up in arms about it. And I'm just like, you know what? Uh. I think partly that is to do with David Cage and not necessarily entirely the subject matter. Okay. Because there is less faith with him than other people about how he will handle the subject matter. And it's like, wait. Like, if he came out and was like, while I have not been the victim of domestic abuse or child abuse, that I think it is something that we should discuss and have more of a wind into because it happens every day. Right. And we should find ways to prevent it. People probably would be more open-minded about what he is trying to do with this game, whether or not they full, whether or not he fully sticks the landing on it. Right. I, I don't care what he says though. Like I'm just glad, honestly, glad to see it. Even if he's just like not an eloquent man who's like not saying that he's. I mean, it's, it doesn't matter what his purpose is. I really don't care what his intent is. If his intent is to make a good game and he swears that it's pertinent to the plot and the storyline of the game, then I'm okay with that too. Well, I mean, at a certain point, authorial intent stops mattering. Uh, so I think we can, once it's released, judge the game on its own merits and right. see how it handles the scene. Right. Divorced from that. Mm -hmm. I, I think that that's very valid. Okay. That we, when we do see the game eventually and hopefully people who review it, I, I'm probably not going to play it. it. It does not look very interesting to me. Regardless of all this other stuff, the robot, like, come on, who cares? Yeah, like <laughs> he, he seems to genuinely believe that he's the first person to think of like doing another version of Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how it works. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna see. Just, but for the sake of like defending this subject matter and and moral high horses from you know opinions of of people who are trying to protect children. Like, what about adult children who are survivors of abuse? You know what I mean? Like, I just think that's so overlooked and so important and not talked about, so stigmatized, and no one knows how to listen about it, how to talk about it. I mean, it's such a stigmatized thing, and it's just, I'm so tired of that. So uh, I read the article with a, just, a, just an amount of, like, that's, I had a little bit of inner peace when I read the article. Just because. And, you know, it's probably a shitty game. We're going to see. And I appreciate <laughs> you discussing it because yeah. I think our current operation is to listen and then try and think on behalf of victims. Right. And as part of that, maybe we don't get it right. And we need to listen again and reflect and then move ahead based on what the people who are directly impacted have to say about that. Right. And all of those opinions will obviously differ. And like, I know that there's somewhere out there, terrible, uh, domestic abuse slash childhood abuse situation. Who is just like me. Who's like, no, I totally 100% totally disagree with what she's saying right now. 
And that's, of course, fine. But, you know, like some people are resilient about uh, uh, facing things head on and wanting them to be part of uh, something that's recognized and others just want to forget and, like, you really can't say what is better because every person is different. But, yeah, yeah, it's something that I really wanted to discuss. There may be people who, yeah, don't want to deal with it anymore. And I, I think the greatest concern is... Those who don't want to deal with it, who are thrust into it, or it's brought upon them without warning. Right. That would be the biggest concern. That would be a concern. Hopefully they have something on the box, like, warning, hey, big, <laughs> this will trigger you. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. If I were a kid, though, one, one more thing. If I were a kid, which I wasn't uh, ever, I could do whatever I wanted. I wasn't really disciplined at all. So I would easily be able to get my hands on a copy of this game. <laughs> uh, and I, in, in being in my current situation, uh, or in the situation that was current, say I was a 14-year-old kid and I picked up Detroit and I started playing it and there was this scene, uh, I probably wouldn't flinch. Because I'd be like, this is everyday life. This is real life. Everyone goes through this. Everyone has a shitty parent who's psycho who hurts them all the time. You know what I mean? Like, Not entirely, but I do, I do appreciate you bringing it to But that's where my brain would be yeah. if, I were, if I were a younger person who, yeah. who you know, played this game. I wouldn't be like, oh my god, this is too much like my real life. No, I'm surviving my real life every single day. And I think that it's normal. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's pretty, that's pretty across the board. I think that a lot of people feel like it's 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 normal when they are very very young. Yeah. And I think this was another draw. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that both of those were very uh, you know important articles to discuss. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, appreciate you listening if you're listening to this because this is heavy subject matter. It's heavy stuff, guys. It's not. It's not. The lighthearted video game this that we're used to. Yeah, and like I know, like we'll bounce between like talking about like more random stuff. Like <laughs> we talked about uh, like one time it was like uh, like ho- games in the Rochester Strong Museum <laughs> Hall of Fame. Yes. But uh, I mean, this is a, these are things that we care about, and they pertain to video games. And so yeah, it's gonna vary from week to week. Yep. Sorry, heaviness. Go meditate. Yes. <laughs> But in the meantime, before you meditate, uh, Di, I think this brings our episode of So Many Bits to a close. If you want people to find you, either electronically or in person, where can they find you? Oh boy, go to diebillick.com and it will have information about my upcoming shows. The funny thing is I don't know what the dates are because I'm a bad person. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh boy, diebillick.com should be updated soon. (laughs) (laughs) That's me, Di Billick. All right. Well, as for us, we can be reached by email at so many bits podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, we're so many bits on there. Follow us on Twitter and Tumblr at so many bits. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Please rate and review or download from Spreaker, from SoundCloud, from YouTube. We do gaming online, twitch.tv slash so many bits, Wednesdays and Thursdays, 8 p.m. Central Time. Wednesdays are usually reserved for Magic the Gathering Online. Thursdays for a selection of other games based on just what I'm playing right now. And last but not least, please check out the rest of the Second Wind Collective for other quality podcasts, support, independent art, the spirit of Dell compels you. 
random usual joke about something, but can't joke about anything because too heavy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, awesome. Thank you. Great stuff. Heavy stuff.